Welcome to the Oxford Undergraduate Law Podcast, where we discuss the law and its implications on our relationships, our markets, and our futures. I'm Siobhan. And I'm Bianca, and we're your hosts for this series. Today, we are extremely honored to speak with Dr. Jake Goldenfein. Dr. Goldenfein is a senior lecturer at Melbourne Law School. He has been a researcher at Cornell Tech, Cornell University, Melbourne Law School, New York Law School, and the Swinburne Institute for Social Research in the fields of media and communications history and theory, intellectual property, communications policy, privacy, and media law. On this episode, we discuss the relationship between artificial intelligence and liberalism, a set of ethical premises that are the foundation of law and ethics discussion in Western democratic states. Ultimately, Dr. Goldenfein sheds light on whether there can exist ethical artificial intelligence operating within for-profit private companies. Thank you, Dr. Goldenfein, for joining us today. We are really excited to speak with you on artificial intelligence and ethics. Um, To start off, the term artificial intelligence usually gets used in a lot of different contexts. What is artificial intelligence? Uh, Hi, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, It's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, The question of what is artificial intelligence is a really difficult one. And there's all sorts of different definitions of artificial intelligence. Uh, Most commonly, I would say in the current environment, when people talk about artificial intelligence, they're typically referring to uh, the use of different types of machine learning technologies for decision making. now, the, the argument that uh, I've made with a colleague recently in a paper that we published in the conference proceedings of um, the Artificial Intelligence Ethics and Society paper, uh, Artificial Intelligence Ethics and Society conference, um, is that firstly, you can't really think of artificial intelligence purely as a, a technical product. It's, of course, a sort of socio-technical idea. And this is not a new argument. Lots of people have identified it. Um, There's humans sort of up and down the decision chain with respect to deciding how data is collected, how it's labeled, how it's manipulated and managed. So that's not a new claim. Um, What we also say in that paper is that in, in the digital economy, you can't really think about artificial intelligence as something outside of the context of the firm. So, um, the best definition of artificial intelligence would be one that understands it as embedded in its industrial context. And uh, in this way, we can start thinking about artificial intelligence as um, sort of the new expression of how firms automate their managerial dimensions. So, for instance, um, when your artificial intelligence is 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 when a firm intermediates and controls their interactions with their workers and their customers and their regulators through technical systems. It's kind of how firms now do forecasting and research and transacting. Um, and indeed, the firms that are the very best expression of artificial intelligence as a firm are the very large data processing firms that people call big tech. Now, you could make a similar claim, I think, about states as well in the way that states um, make decisions about how they interact with their own citizens and other people. Um, but for the work we've done so far has focused on, on, on firms and the digital economy. 
So you also discussed the relationship between AI and liberalism, a set of ethical premises that are the foundation for law and ethics discussion in Western democratic states. Um, what is liberalism or what are the main elements of liberalism? Sure. Another extremely complicated and difficult question. There's um, lots of different strands and tropes and angles on liberalism as moral philosophy, as political philosophy. It's, it's, it's really all-encompassing. It's also changed a lot um, over the years. So when we talk about uh, liberalism in that paper, for instance, uh, we identify a few sort of fundamental ideas from the political theory of liberalism that have made their way into the, the juridical tools that we use for technology regulation. So a few of these um, are, are, are what we focus on. So one is like the imagination of the individual, how, how the human is sort of conceptualized. And, and in, in liberalism, like the human is this, this autonomous, self-determining agent and, and sort of moral decision maker. And the, and the moral decision-making capacity of the individual is really the, the, the cornerstone of all um, re- moral reasoning in, in, in liberalism. But there's, you know, building from there, there's a, there's a, there's a few extrapolations of these liberal ideas that, that find their way into how we, um, how we regulate technology. So one is um, the relationship between individual, an individual and data. So there's this, um, there's this idea that data is an expression of the personality of a person. And um, there's these, uh, you know, in data protection law, we, we, we get this uh, a lot from the uh, idea of informational self-determination, which comes from a couple of cases, German constitutional cases in the 80s that really premise the relationship between an individual and their data in this idea of, of, of personality, Kantian ideas of personality. Um, alternatively, if you uh, come from a more sort of Lockean kind of liberalism that perhaps animates some of the American regulations, then uh, you see data, the relationship between in, an individual and data, um, or data as sort of like an alienable part of, of the self. So it's um, it can be a form of property, sort of like one's own labor. Now, so so uh, the individual uh, is is one thing. The individual uh, and their relationship to data is another. Also, um, fundamental to liberalism is how individuals relate to each other, and this is um, thought of as happening in a public market. So, so the political philosophy of, of liberalism imagines a, a limited state. Um, and the flip side of the limited state is this sort of protected domain of the individual. The material dimensions of that protected domain is what we call property. And individuals can interact and transact their um, property rights through uh, their contractual rights, through their freedom of contract, through, through private law. So um, these ideas, the individual, their relationship to, to, to data and the market are, for instance, a few of the ideas in, in liberalism that are really fundamental to, to how technology is regulated at the moment. So you discussed the relationship between these two ideas. What makes an AI-informed digital economy incompatible with liberal values? Yeah. So um, 
we we make the claim that the the sort of AI informed digital economy uh, makes many of the the presuppositions and foundations of liberal legal theory very much unstable, because um, in the same way that liberalism has its own understandings of individuals and data and of markets, um, artificial intelligence has very different understandings of individuals and data and markets, and that's what gets operationalized in the digital economy. So, for instance, um, in the imagination of artificial intelligence, if, if we want to use that term, uh, individuals are not so much the sort of self-determining, autonomous, moral beings of the liberal ideal. Um, instead, individuals are very much conditioned by their information environment. And this understanding of persons comes out of um, a lot of the research on artificial intelligence and cybernetics that uh, in order to engineer human-machine systems had to start imagining humans as, as kinds of symbolic information processes, much like a computer is, right? We're able to, to, uh, to get this information stimulus, we process it in one way and we produce an output. Um, when you take that idea and you put it to work in the advertising-driven digital economy, humans are effectively construed as a pattern of behavior. Um, more precisely, a pattern of quasi-predictable behavior, right? You're, you're, you're a bundle of preferences. Those preferences can be known. And by um, shooting the right stimulus through this black box of preferences, we get a, a, a predictable behavior. Um, so uh, rather than like this self-determining agent, the AI economy-informed human agent is like a, a, is is both a controller, but a controller that is controlled by its environment. So, uh, so that's one big difference. Another difference is how data is imagined. So, you know, the the, the liberal legal regulation imagines data as 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 something very static as either like a, a form of property, an asset that can be hoarded, right, and, and distributed and doled out for in exchange for cash, for instance, or um, as, as a dimension of self that can be sort of shaped and controlled through through different different rules. But in the, the AI digital economy, that's that's kind of nonsense. All of that is is kind of nonsense. Um, uh, data is used to price human attention in real time, right? It's not a static representation of an individual in a filing cabinet somewhere. Data is very much a flow, right? It moves from the point of creation where an individual interacts with the digital infrastructure and it travels in real time to the back end of platform markets where it uh, is channeled through all these different intermediaries who all extract uh, some sort of value out of it somewhere. And then it actually comes back uh, in the form of a, a, a shifted information environment to the individual. So it's sort of data moves like in a circuit. Um, and in that way, it's used to manage consumer behavior. Right? So, so in the digital economy, what data is and what it's for is very different to how it's imagined in, 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 in liberal legal rules. Um, and I think... Uh, they're, they're very much uh, inconsistent. Now, also markets have have this sort of inconsistent idea. So in, in liberalism, we have ideally these public markets where private individuals bring their, 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 their rights to trade. Um, 
while we've never had like a truly ideal market or while Russia market or, or, or whatever, um, there's kind of no such thing as a public market in the AI digital economy anymore, right? What we have is really an inversion of this ideal of the public market where private individuals are trading. Instead, what we have are kind of fully knowable public individuals themselves being traded on a fully private market, right? And this fully private market is what we call the platform. And you might even, and, and the best person who talks about that is uh, Julie Cohen. She really describes this this phenomenon, this inversion really clearly. And um, uh, what, what, what's, what's, what's even more is that these platforms kind of aren't even markets. Like they pretend to be markets. Amazon pretends to be a market. Google pretends to be an advertising market. But really they're just algorithmic simulations of markets. And I've published some recent work in um, Big Data and Society about uh, the use of an economic tool called uh, mechanism design and how uh, this this sort of this this tool for engineering markets gets used in the platform world to really um, control participants in the market and 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 produce information domination and and uh, an appropriation of, of of social welfare for the for market designers. So there's three there's there's three inconsistencies between liberal thinking and 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 how the AI digital economy sort of works. Does this tension pose any challenges for regulators attempting to regulate artificial intelligence? Well, I, I mean, I think it definitely does. Um, uh, so, for instance, if we think about data protection law, which has until I'd say very recently been really the focus of regulating this environment. And, and, and I think now there's much more attention on competition law and we can talk about that in a bit too. But, you know, in the context of data protection law, you know, so much of the premise of data protection law is transparency, uh, that an individual should be able to participate in the formation of their identity, uh, should be able to author their identity. And in doing so, or in order to do so, should have access to and control over data about them. Well, it turns out that this kind of control over data is kind of meaningless, right? If data is used to manage consumer behavior, uh, the kind of control that an individual can express over their data vis-a-vis a platform through a dashboard, for instance, um, doesn't translate into control over their information experience or the way in which uh, that platform is participating in managing their consumer behavior. So it's premised on a kind of individual autonomy that's not really relevant to the digital economy. Uh, we can take a more, a more concrete example. So say you're, you're listening to Spotify and you want to use these data transparency rights to think about um, how is Spotify profiling me in order to make its recommendations. So you use these data protection rights, you, f- you find out what's going on and you find out that Spotify has misgendered you or, uh, or predicted your age incorrectly or something like that. Now, um, you could interpret this as like an offence against the person, which data protection kind of does, right? Uh, data protection says, oh, no, no, you're entitled to um, shape your identity in these systems. So you, you, you will we'll interpret this as a harm that data protection can remedy and you can rectify this. But these labels 
don't really say anything about you as a person, right? These are just words that are used to as a representation for like an industrially relevant group of preferences, like industrially relevant to Spotify, right? It's about a probability or a guess of some sort of future outcome. It has nothing to do with you as a person. So while these words might offend your sense of self, um, the, the, this incorrect word is actually probably more accurate and relevant to what's, rel- to what's important to Spotify, uh, which is predicting what song you're going to enjoy next. And, um, and the way that it does this is by understanding your preferences uh, in the context of a, of a broader aggregate group of users, right? So it's 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 a much more um, socially defined uh, profile than 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 how you how you might define yourself. So there's this inconsistency between this like self narrative and what actually matters, what actually uh, is relevant, and what's important, and what makes money. So if there's this incompatibility and there's this tension. Um, are there any legal or ethical principles that would actually suit an AI-informed digital economy? Um, well, yes. I mean, yes. And people have been thinking about this for a long time. And I, and I suppose that um, what we, what I would say and what my collaborators and I say is that, number one, focusing your regulation at the level of the individual has kind of reached its limit, right? With, with you know, GDPR was supposed to be this big revelation in, in privacy law, hasn't really changed that much, right? Now you have more personal control. That means you have more pop-ups to click through. Um, there are there There is sort of compliance, and we are actually seeing some interesting things around um, uh, regulation of automated decision-making in the context of, of workplaces, addressing some of those automated for instance, human resources, managerial decisions, uh, like in um, uh, gig gig work platforms and, and ride hailing platforms. But fundamentally, I don't think that the, the, the GDPR has very meaningfully altered the dynamics of, of the digital economy. In fact, I would say that it stabilized them more than anything else. So there's a lot of interest now in um, competition law. And this might help in certain respects too. I think that there's certainly uh, a whole world of market abuses and abusive market power that these um, sort of developing rules are likely to address. But fundamentally, it's not going to change the relationship between firms and individuals or how information and attention are extracted from individuals. Uh, They're just going to change who does it, right? Who gets the benefit from it. So we're leaving in place this system that, uh, like Shoshana, Shoshana Zuboff calls surveillance capitalism, informational capitalism, for instance. Um, there's also a lot of interest in like the proposed EU AI regulation. Um, and this kind of creates, a, a, I think it effectively creates like a for-profit AI certification regime. Um, there are a few kind of like red lines proposed in the regulation around uh, manipulation and social scoring. But at the moment, they're so vague, it's not really clear that they'll mean anything. For instance, you know, reading through the what is manipulation uh, or what manipulation covers in that regulation, it kind of covers everything or or nothing. So 
uh, I'm, I, I, at this stage, I'm not particularly uh, hopeful that that's going to translate into especially meaningful uh, regulation. So um, we, you know, Sebastian Benthal and, and I, who wrote this paper for uh, Artificial Intelligence, Ethics and Society, we sort of agree with a lot of other people who have suggested that there really needs to be um, intermediaries between individuals and firms in the digital economy. And this is uh, not a new regulatory strategy. Historically, uh, you do economic regulation when, you, when, when there's a disempowered group, uh, an intermediary is, is, a, is a good way to kind of try and um, address this, 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 this problematic power asymmetry. Um, and, and we would like to see like kinds of intermediaries through which um, individuals can form collectives that are capable of establishing their own information priorities. So there's a lot of work uh, developing at the moment around that sort of jumps out of um, the idea of public service media. You know, we all know what public service media is in, in the UK. You have, you know, things like BBC in Australia. Here we have uh, the, the ABC and the special broadcasting service. And um, the idea is that, uh, okay, we're not showing content for profit. We're showing content to educate and uh, inform a citizenry. Now, I, I don't think we're, we're likely to get like governmental platforms. Right, it's not the worst idea, and there's some, you know, government search, government public option search, is actually I think a really good idea, but people aren't really necessarily going to use it because you know Google has, for instance, become this product that's so good, uh, that works so well. Uh, nonetheless, th you know, there is a reasonable argument for for certain public options. I, I think that if you leave a lot of this stuff to the state, however, you might be disappointed somewhat. And so we have argued that a, a better idea would be um, community-based or collective-based tools for, for establishing these priorities. So, you know, public service media uh, idea, but at a much smaller scale where these collectives uh, or intermediaries or, or trusts or whatever you want to call them can effectively set the priorities for information coming into the into their system and and, and flowing out of their system um, there's been a lot of uh, work around this um, yeah thinking about you know data trusts and 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 purpose-oriented intermediaries and um, I think this seems really important and, and is likely to be uh, the, the the regulatory trajectory that gets us furthest, I think. And I think you've mentioned this implicitly in lo a lot of your answers so far, but you argue in your article that the pursuit of profit for its own sake will perhaps never lead to an ethical AI. Um, can you explain a little bit more on this? What mindset should intermediaries um, adopt to achieve an ethical purpose? Yeah. So that, 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 that's a claim that I've made and I, 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 I think is, is, is correct. Um, when you put data and attention in the hands of corporate operators that are legally obliged to pursue profit, uh, they're going to they're really optimise that pursuit of profit. 
the best way to do that at the moment is advertising. There's a lot of discussion of ethical AI in terms of dealing with discrimination and things like that. But in the digital economy, uh, if profit is what you're after, you're ultimately treating individuals as, you know, in Heideggerian terms, you would say a standing reserve, right? They're, they're an input for a, te- a technical system that turns attention into economic capital, right? So this, this profit-driven system is really about... Um, a, a set of social relations whereby individuals are, are, are nothing more than than a resource to be mined for, for for data and attention, and I think that as long as the the profit motive remains in place, then um, then that's that that that's not going to go away. And I think that that's not the kind of social relation that we want to have. That's not the system of social relations that we want to have um, as intermediated through our information infrastructure. Um, and and I have colleagues as well who would say that, uh, you know, data relations, these social relations are relations of production, uh, much like our broader systems of economic production. And, and uh, I think that the argument can be extended in that way as well. Um, Intermediaries doesn't necessarily take away a profit purpose. So, you know, I think that um, when we're thinking about what these intermediaries might look like, we, we need to think about them uh, as, as outside of uh, profit-making entities. Well, that's all the questions that we have today. Thank you so much for speaking with us. It was all extremely interesting. Uh, Thanks for having me. Very nice to meet you and uh, just wish you all the best. That was Dr. Jake Goldenfein speaking with us on Ethical AI. For more interesting legal discussions and writings, visit the OUULJ's blog and read our annual publications. Tune in next time for another exciting podcast episode.